0: God's doing amazing things. Amen. I said, God's doing amazing things. And he's doing, he's doing amazing things in your life. I think sometimes our eyes seem to be blinded to what's going on the closest. You know, what's happening right in front of us. We, we don't see that. You know, it's, it's easy to look into somebody else's world and see God moving, and, and it, yet it's difficult to recognize what he's doing in ours, well, because we're, we're dealing with stuff, you know, the stuff of life. You, you know, the Bible says it's going to rain on the just and the unjust alike. In this world, there will be tribulation. Sometimes we hyper-focus on the tribulation, and we forget the part, be of good cheer. For I've already overcome that stuff, right? You, you don't need to worry about the junk that's happening to you. you. I didn't say you don't have to deal with it. Of course you do you got to go through life. He said, you've got to go through life. Right? We're, we're living this thing. In, in order to demonstrate Satan's defeat, his presence has probably got to be around. You know, in order to have insane victory, which God has called us to live in. See, the life that Jesus came to give us, according to John 10, it's life in abundance to the top till it overflows. Oh, that's a crazy good life. The life that Jesus came to give us is God life, life as God has it. And to have the ability to demonstrate Satan's defeat, to walk in great victory, demands great battle. You can't have great victory without a great battle. You know, when, when, you, when you go you know, into the Super Bowl of your life, there's going to be an opposing team. I think some of us are under the impression that if we do it right, we'll get there and win by default. But that's really not a victory. That's, you know, your enemy, your enemy, he's real, but he's really defeated. He can't win against you. In other words, you can't lose. Because God's love is just too big for you. It's just too big. Think about it. When when, When you were separated from God, when you were living in sin, when you were alienated, when you were enemies, estranged, whatever word works for you. You know, I, I kind of don't like that, you know, in church we use words that only people in church could relate to. You know, it's, you know, when you were lost. You know, it's probably not the best thing to go up to somebody in the world and tell them you're lost. Because they really don't think they are. They think you're crazy. Yeah. And, and, uh, but remember when you were away from God? Remember the day that you came into real relationship with God? And it did not make any difference if, if you were raised in church like I was. And I, I remember the day God became real in my life. And I've been in church my whole life. And I remember the day God became real. Everything changed. You know, it doesn't make any difference if you were raised in church or, or you know, you, you were on the streets, uh, you know, homeless and, and a drug addict. When, when you connect to God, life begins to flow. Life begins to, to, to just come on the scene and, and, and all of a sudden the whole world looks different. You know, It just changes because there's, there's, there's life there wasn't before. Uh, you know how crazy it is to finally have hope and you didn't even realize that yesterday you were hopeless? Oh, think about it. That, that life transformation moment. So real. So real. Nobody can talk you out of it. Oh, you know, this is just a fad you're going through. Remember some of my friends. You're just going through a fad. Well, it's the longest fad I've ever participated in. Sweet. (laughs) And it gets better every day. And, and, you know, I once was separated from God. Now there's this connection. I'm getting connected to God. And because of that connection, the love of God begins to flow more freely. Why? Because I opened the door. You know, in hindsight, I look back and I get it, but, but at the moment, I didn't even get it. Yeah, I didn't even realize that uh, so I'd done something that had opened the door and God began to participate in my life in a way like he had never done before. A lot of you are wondering, God, what's up? When are you coming in? When are you going to open the door? Well, how do I open the door? It, remember, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hear my voice, and open the door. Well, how do you open the door? I've heard his voice. Well, you do what he said. He's not talking just to kill time. Right? He, he's giving instruction. He's given insight and wisdom and revelation and understanding. He's telling us how to live. You know, Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then all these other things shall be added unto you. One of the brothers in the church right now just, just had an incredible epiphany, a revelation, a rhema of, of that scripture because he just looked back. He just looked back and realized that there was a day when he started just seeking God first. And there was a lot of pressure in life and a lot of things going on in his world that that needed to be addressed, but he just set that down and started seeking God. And what he had tried to solve over the past six years, in six days God had solved the problems. And, 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 And they were actually solved before he knew it. and and i and i'm not talking about you know little problems i'm talking about major stuff you know you're gonna go to prison kind of stuff problem solved god just began to take care of all the stuff he'd ever worried about and he was he just realized one night in in, in a car on the way home from church oh my god that's what happened i was seeking god and god did what he said freaks him out isn't it crazy? God moves and we get freaked out and we call ourselves believers. I love that. And and it's stuff like that that just causes you to, doesn't it just kind of cause you to love God more? I mean, you just think you couldn't, but love starts growing and, and all of a sudden you move from, you know, courtship to commitment. You know how many people in, in, in our society, you know, uh, and I'm sure it's nobody here. It's probably just a Saturday night crowd. But, uh, you, you know, they're, they're in a courtship relationship with God. They, they court the church. They court God. They, you know, it, it's like they call Him up if they ain't got anything else to do. Hello? Come on out. Some of you guys just keep looking straight forward right now. But remember, before, before you were married, before you were married, th- there, there were moments that you were thinking about that future bride. And you couldn't wait to get together. And then a couple of friends would swing by and they'd have, you know, just enough tickets to take you somewhere. And, and so you just, you know, you just slip off with the boys. You just didn't make the call. And it was acceptable because you were in courtship. But you do realize that when you move from courtship to commitment, if they only got one ticket, it ain't you that's going. <laughs> Come on now. Love does something to you; it gets you doing stuff you would have never dreamed of doing. Come on, the ladies probably know this more than more than the guys. Uh, uh, you know, love moves you into a commitment realm. And now, think about it, girls. Now you're picking up dirty socks and stuff like that. You know, and you're you, you're you're taking after a you know cleaning up after a guy and his offspring. And, and you know, you would have never thought that it's not the dream of your life, but now you just live to 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 serve them because that love grows in you and it moves you to the commitment realm and because of that you know think about it in a a home relationship the husband and the wife they begin to serve one another if they're healthy i said if 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 they're healthy they begin to serve one another and live for one another and their interests their own interests takes a second seat to the interests of their spouse I, in my mind, I expected you waving hankies and stuff. <laughs> you know, husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He died for it. You know, if you're healthy, man, you, you, you're serving your spouse. You're, you know, think about on the job. Maybe maybe this home talk is, is just too much. You know, on the job. On the job. You, you, you're serving your employer. No, no hankies again. You're you're serving your employees, right? you that's what brings completion. When you get outside of yourself and and you start living for others, and I got to tell you something: without the love of God, we probably aren't going to do that a lot. Prior to the love of God, what I had a real relationship with was the love of Tom. It was all about me. It's all about what I want, when I want it, and how I want it, as long as I want it. And I would figure out really neat ways to make other people think that they wanted what I wanted. Come well, on, I was good at it. Sold cars, lots of them. And you could get people to do what you wanted, and they'd feel good about it. And you just figure, that's that's cool. But the love of God begins to change you, and you get moved from a place where you're just living for you to a place where I'm going to live for God. Remember last week we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. That word decision is the same root word we get the word incision from. It means to make a cut, to cut. It cuts out a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to live God life. That means that anything that's not God life, you are going to cut it out. And see, the question that we've got to ask ourselves is, when are we going to cut that out? When are we going to cut it out? I mean, the stuff that's not God life. We come up with all kinds of excuses to justify why we've allowed that mindset, that mentality, that, that attitude to remain. Well, you don't understand my life. I'm going through a hard time right now. Anybody ever been through a hard time? You know, I, I refer to it as the plethora of poop. Because there's always stuff. You know, isn't it? This is always stuff in this world, tribulation. But you can't use that as a justification to live a life other than the one you've been called and anointed and equipped and empowered by God to live. Now I'm supposed to have more joy than sorrow. I don't mean there isn't going to be any sorrow. It just means that I've got more joy than the world has sorrow, right? God's going to supply me with more joy than the enemy can inject sorrow. So I have to cut out the sorrow and tap into the joy. Yeah, yeah but, but I lost my job. Yeah, but God is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. So I have to cut out fear and doubt and worry and unbelief so that I can make a decision to live god but I, I lost a loved one, and I, that's real, and that hurts, and that's, that, that's, that cuts deep. But i got to choose because I have more peace than chaos. See, I can find excuses. Well, well people have been mean to me. They've been mean to everybody. They're going to be mean to you again. But I have decided to be a Christ follower, to live God's life. I have made a decision to cut it out. And there's some things in our life we've got to cut out. We've got to deal with the excuses. We've got to stop. We've got to stop affording ourselves the luxury of being far from God and God life and comfortable with it. Don't want to be happy with less than God's best for my life. I want to pursue with real passion the purpose and plan of God. If I asked the question, and I, and I really thought about it, because, you know, sometimes I kind of like the trick questions. And then I thought, I should be nice. So don't respond to this question. Don't do it. But if I ask the question, how many of you are in a passionate pursuit of the will of God? I would imagine that most of us would respond with, that's me. I want the will of God. But often in reality, we're really not pursuing the fullness of God's will. We want the part that fits our desire. It's going to be quiet today for a little bit. You've got good news for you. I only have 24 minutes left. We, we go after the part that's appealing to us, that's attractive to us. And we make statements. I don't know how many times I've been asked in different leadership, I'm sure they're asked all the time, what do you think God's will is? Well, you've got a copy of it in your lap. You know, you, you read the book and you find out that there's just some things that are just plain as day in the Word of God. And there's some, there's some things that God expects from his people. You see, when we're talking about the will of God and pursuing the purpose of God, usually when we ask the question, it's kind of a rigged question. We, we set it up. We try to con God. We, we set him up. Well, he, he, I know it's shocking. con God. Oh, come on. We, we learned it at an early age. You do realize that your kids are trying to con you, right? They're asking you to, to, to give them approval on stuff, and they base it on all kinds of weird you know, foundational you know, excuses that they have. Everybody's doing it. So-and-so let their kid do it. Come on, I want to do it. And they ask you things, and, and, and they're trying to find a way. It's just human nature to find a way to please me. You think about the will of God. I mean, I know the plan of God. And I know that you know the plan of God. But sometimes we act like we don't know God's plan. God's plan has been on the wall for how long? God's plan is to prosper you, not harm you. God's plan is to give you hope and to give you future. If you really believed in God's plan, you wouldn't struggle with God's plan. You know, with the steps that he asks of us. But we rig the question. And we learn how to do it really, really early. You know, if you've got girls in the house, you've seen these things. If you've got boys and you've seen these in your house, they have a girlfriend. Because yesterday, I, 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 I wanted to get one of these folded and none of us guys could do it. We had to go to Shelby. Remember these things? These things are rigged, man. Remember a time when when I was asked if, if we could do something, I didn't want to do it. And they come on, Dad, please come on, Dad, please. I got an idea. I got an idea. We're in the car, you know, and I'm I'm just wanting them to be quiet. And they said, let's use this thing and find out if we should do it or not. It'll be fun. I'm like an idiot, I fell for it. Okay, okay. What 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 color? Pick a color. Blue. B L U E. What? Pick a number. Pick a number. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then they, they, okay, can, can we do what I want or not? And they opened it up and it said, Absolutely. And they used this thing for a couple of weeks on me till one day it was just left laying in the house and I opened it up. Every answer was positive in their favor. <laughs> Absolutely, without a doubt. Go for it right away. Do not delay. <laughs> My God, I've been conned where'd they learn that hanging out with their mama's relatives (laughs) we try to con god look at luke 14 we'll read a few verses 15 through 24 so this first verse I, i want us to look at it for a minute there's this guy he's hanging out with jesus and the crew and he makes a statement he says one of the guys that sat at the table with him heard what he had been saying and he made this statement he said wow it's pretty awesome blessed is he who shall eat bread to keep. he said you know what who gets invited to the table that dude is gonna be blessed it's awesome to hang out with you guys you know really in in, in today's language that's what he was saying he was he was hearing this message and hearing this life and he said man to be in the kingdom of god is awesome and that sent jesus into one of his teaching moments you know and and he goes on in verse 16 he says a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited come look look if you write in your bible you ought to underline this verse for all things are now ready All things are now ready. What are you waiting for? All things are now ready. Look at verse 18. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. See, this isn't a new problem. This is a repeated old problem. They all began to make excuses, and the first said to him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to go test them. I ask you To have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. He's the only one that told the truth. Next verse, quick. Uh, So the servant came and reported. Then the master said, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. The servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there's room. Then the master said to the servant, go out in the highways and the hedges. Compel them to come in that my house might be, look at this, compel them, compel them, compel them. Look at your neighbor and say, compel them. Listen, here, here's the process that we, we believe in. We believe that you first you connect, then you commit, then you complete, and then you compel. God's plan and his purpose for each of us is to reach people who are far from God and bring them to a place where they're close to God. God, what's your will for me today? What, what's your will for my life? That you would reach people who are far from God and bring them to salvation knowledge. That you would be a, a, a you know a soul winning machine. That you'd be participating by by going or sending. That you would that you would actually be concerned for the loss and the enemy. He gets us to use all kinds of excuses to not do what God's asked us, commanded us to do. He gets us to look at what I've got, what I need, what I'm dealing with. And that causes us to forget what they need, what they're dealing with, what they're suffering through. We have a call from God to make a difference. We have a, we have a mandate from heaven That we'd seek his way of doing and being right. Allow him to take care of what we're worried about and we begin to take care of, of what he's concerned with. That we get beyond our interests and embrace his interests. That we deal with our excuses. That we'd stop allowing things that shouldn't be taking our time and stop by making a decision. To cut that out. See what it is. Is all of us. We have targets in our life. We have things that we're aimed at. We have have stuff that we're looking at. We have stuff that's out in front of us. That really all we need to do. Maybe is to consider better targets. Just get a better target. And you know what's crazy about targets. Is that you give anybody enough shots. And they'll eventually hit it. Just. This week, we, I took the boys out, and we were shooting guns. You got enough ammo, they can hit the target. <laughs> and what's weird is, is, is in life that a lot of us, we've had so many shots, we've hit it once or twice, and we use that as an excuse to justify the fact that, hey, we're, you know, we're not hitting it right, we're not handling it right, we're not aiming right, but every now and then we hit something. So why should I change? Well, you know that old statement, even a blind squirrel can find a few nuts. You know, you know, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. God's a good God. I mean, he's not just giving up on you. But if you could receive instruction, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, if you could receive instruction, he could change the way you aim. And if he could change the way you aim, he could have you hitting the target every day. Every day of your life, success. Every day of your life, effectiveness. Every day of your life, achievement. Every day of your life, victory. If only we could cut out the excuses. If only we could embrace the reality that God's called me. My life should be compelling others. Think about it for just a minute. Why, why would the enemy invest so much energy? Because when your life becomes compelling... Hell begins to lose its grip, not on you, on everybody around you. Everybody that knows you knows that God must be real. Come on. I mean, if you know me, you know God's working in Shelby. 27 years of living with that. You know, God's a good God. You know me. You know I got, my, I got stuff in my world. I got stuff in my life. I got issues, man. But God's real. Now I got to tell you something. At the end of the day, I'm going to be better off than I was at the beginning. And it doesn't make any difference what happens in the middle. And it's not because I'm all that. It's not because I'm smart. It's not because I'm educated. It's not because I'm credentialed. It's because God's just that good. Your life should be compelling. When you get to the place that you're going through life, and your family realizes God's real. See, what we do is we settle for information and stop short of transformation. We 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 come to church and we get a a couple words and 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 we go out and. See, the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the virtue and knowledge that comes back to them. That's power. The ability to produce results is determined by the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. You can take God's word and change everything. You can can tap into a place in God where this is no longer just church. This is my holy place. This is where I hear God speak to my life, and that Word breathes life into me. I think one of, one of the great mistakes that we make, one of the huge excuses, you know, and, and it's a big mistake that we make, is that we back off of God's Word. We choose, we choose to entertain other systems of logic. It's not surprising we're bombarded with a secular system of logic that's contrary to God's Word every day, all day. Remember in the beginning was the word, that's the word logos, that's where we get our word logic. In the beginning was God's system of logic. and Almost immediately the enemy went to work at a contrary system of logic. Romans 8, 6 says to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnally minded, in the Amplified it said to be carnally minded, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. See, if, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to, to impact the way you're thinking, you're going to end up separating yourself from the end that God has declared over your life way back at the beginning. Makes sense. But we, we back off of God's word. We don't take a stand. We end up trying to you know trying to make God's word uh, fit in somehow, but we, we, we won't just take the stand and say, This is what the Bible says. Gotta find out where I am. Romans 1 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to tell you what God's word says. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that I believe it. There are days it's hard to practice it, but I'm going to tell you what, God's word's true. And when I do what he said, he produces what he promised every single time. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not afraid to tell you. I I, I want to give you three points this morning that will kind of help you get a better target, and the first one is stop living a shamed life. Cut it out. Well, they're believing for healing and it ain't working. Knock it off. God's Word says. He sent His Word and healed them. God's Word says, I will not die but live and declare the goodness of my King. God's Word says, my son, attend unto my words, hearken unto my saints. Let them not depart from thine eyes, for they are life to those that find them, health and healing to all their flesh. Yeah, but we've, we've been standing on that and it's not working. Cut it out. Not ashamed of the gospel. I'm taking a stand on the word of God. God's word says that he'll supply all of mine. Yeah, but I got more bills than I got income. Cut it out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not be ashamed of the word of God. I gotta get in alignment with God's word you got to realize that God's invited you to walk with Him, but you've got to be in agreement with God to walk with God. So you can't be wavering back and forth. I mean, I don't have time today to go to into all the Scripture, but don't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Get the Word of God. Stand it. What does it say? Be one of those people that when, when somebody comes to you and, and, and they've got issues of life and they've got, they got situations that are huge and they're big and they don't know what to do, just make this statement. What does the Bible say? Come on. I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 I am, I'm not perfect. My life is, is, you know, I'm just not Perfect. But I'm not ashamed of what the Bible says. I, I, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there pretty quick. There are days when I don't know what to do, and if I call somebody, they better give me word. There's a lot of people, I can't call them. Because they'll want to make me feel better instead of being better. You know, that? where's the compassion? That's, my, that's, my, that's the same question I have. Where's the compassion? Where, where's your willingness to let God use you instead of to get your friend to like you? Your friend's going to love you when you help them stand on the word. But if you help them build an excuse, someday they'll realize you weren't that great of a friend you're more worried about you than them don't be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god to salvation salvation that's that's what you want everybody wants salvation i'm not talking about eternal security i'm talking about sozo the word for salvation sozo s-o-z-o it's insane peace nothing missing nothing broken nothing lacking mental health emotional relational everything's put back together here's the second point you gotta you you gotta you, you know help you get a better target realize that god's word is power for your life god's word is power for your life if you're gonna live a life that's compelling you gotta have some power Where are you going to get the power? From the Word of God, being fruitful in your life. See, what a lot of us do is we try to, we try to manage fruit. Our life is producing fruit, and it's not that great, so we wrap it in gold foil like they do at Harry and David. Right? And we, we, pack, we change the package. We, we, we change the, the presentation. We change the marketing plan. You've got to change the tree. Matthew twelve thirty three. Either make the tree good or make the tree evil. But a tree will be known by its fruit. See, we're looking at the fruit. No, you got to look at the tree. What's the power of your life? God's word. What's the Bible say? So funny when people will come talk to us and they'll, they, you know, and their problems. I, I don't want to belittle the problem, but we begin to share with them what the Word of God says. And I've ha- actually had people repeated even after I've talked about this they've said well I really don't need you to preach at me wrong guy you're just going to go to the book what's the, what's the bible say you want to know why i got to go to the book cuz i have had some incredibly good ideas and they sucked i've seen other situations exactly like yours and people did that and so i told somebody else to do it and you know what they got worse why because that ain't what god told them we got to go to the word man what's the bible say you got to be one of them people who realizes god's word is power for everyone who believes for everyone underline it for everyone you know who that includes? Everyone. Here's a scripture that's not just for some of us. It's for all of us. Don't be ashamed of the gospel First, the power of God for everyone who believes. Here's your third point. Don't live by how you feel. Live by faith. You've got to have a better target than that said you got to have a better target than that if you're looking at how you feel you ain't ever going to feel better you're not ever going to feel stronger you're not ever going to feel more confident you're not ever going to feel more healthy if you live by how you feel if you allow the body to rule the body loves to rule you know you get out on a trail and you're jogging and you're your body's screaming, donuts, donuts, donuts. The farther I run, the, the, the faster it says it. Donut, 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 donut. Man, I don't know if it's everybody or just me, but the first 20 minutes of running are horrible. Because so all I can think about doing is quitting. And got some great reasons why I should. I keep telling myself, my spirit's gonna rule. Spirit's gonna rule. Can't let my can't let my body rule. I'm not gonna do this based on how I feel. Because I feel like you know, driving it in a car. Doing it on a Harley. Yeah. Just the other day, it was just kind of a joke, but Evan and I were coming down the street, we went through Yoke's parking lot and we talked about Pastries, they're right inside there. You know, you can come up with a thousand reasons. But if you live like a believer, it changes your target. The problem is, is that you will hit what you're looking at. And if the enemy can have you looking at how you feel, you're defeated before you get out of bed. You know, if you take your pulse in the morning to figure out what kind of day you're going to have, check your blood sugar. You know, listen, if you have to check your blood sugar, don't stop doing that, but listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) That's all I need. Uh, But, you know, you, you know, you, you, you act like a thermometer when you should live like a thermostat. You set, you set the temperature of your life You begin to declare God's word and you realize that I'm going out today to the highways and the byways and my life's going to be compelling. It's going to have influence. It's going to have, it's going to be effective in reaching others and bringing others to a place where they're interested in God. I'm not taking credit. I'm, I'm giving glory and my life is going to be a living demonstration of how to demonstrate Satan's defeat. And when opposition comes, I'm going to realize that it's not a burden I bear. It's an opportunity that God has blessed me with. Hear me. The excuses will cause you to see opportunities as burdens. The excuses will will cause you to to tag things as, as heavy and undesirable when really it's a great effectual door of opportunity. I can go through life and experience what everybody else does, but I can do it and demonstrate the goodness of God. I've got a better target. My target's not to win the lottery. My target's not to win at life. My target's not to win a promotion. My target isn't to win with people. My target is to win the lost. And when that begins to flow through your life, You're out to demonstrate the goodness of God. It's going to lead others to repentance. Your life's going to be compelling. Your life is going to be compelling. The enemy doesn't want you to realize it, but you have great influence. I said you have great influence. Your life makes a tremendous difference. Your presence, it really is good to be with you. Once again, I thought I'd get like an amen or something. It really is good to be with you. These people believe it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Here's what the Bible says. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm above only and never beneath. I'm the headlight, not the taillight. I believe what God's word says. I'm going to live like I believe it. I'm going to live like I believe it. I'm going to live like I believe it. I'm not ashamed of it because God's word is power for my life. God's word is power for my life. How many of you guys have, you know, you got your smartphone or your, your handheld or, your, or, or whatever it is you got? You ever plug it in? You ever charge it? No, I just like to carry it. it makes me feel smarter. Well, no, you charge it. Why? Because without power, it don't work. God's Word is power to my life. And without His Word flowing through me, I ain't got no power. I'm just a a dead iPod. Chuck it out. God's Word is power. I said God's Word is power to my life. It's power to my life. And I live like I believe it. And it won't be long till you're hitting a better target. And your life is compelling. And people who have resisted you will suddenly come under your influence because you've stopped worrying about that stuff. You're just living God's way, doing and being right. Hell's worried about you. What's going to happen? when an entire congregation realizes God has empowered us. He has equipped us and empowered us to make a difference. People who don't know God are going to have a collision with God because of my life, because of your life. We're going to go out and our life's going to be compelling. See, God's doing something in the world today. I said, God's doing something in the world today. I I think sometimes we we forget. 160,000 people hear the gospel every day for the first time. is that crazy? 3,000 people are converted to Christianity every hour. Every hour. In the 1800s, 78% of the world's population had never heard of Christ. Today, we're at 28%. 28%. In Nepal, this is a little, small country of Nepal. In, the, in 1980, there were 75 known Nepali believers. In 1980, today there's over 500,000. In China, the they closed the doors to the gospel in 1950. There was a million believers at that time. Today there's 130 million believers in China. There's as many believers in China as there are in North America. Iran, oddly enough, between 1980 and today more have come to christ than in the previous thousand year period there's about 1.5 billion people on the planet who have yet to hear the gospel 40 of them will have passed on while we had church 80 percent 86 percent of muslims and buddhists hindus have never even met a christian a christ follower 1986, there were 69,000 American missionaries. Today, there's about 35,000. All around the world, God's moving. But in our home, we're making excuses. Well, there's a couple of people here today that have made a decision, no more excuses. We're going to pray for them today because they're taking off And they're going to go make a difference. And they're going to do it because of the power of God's word and the support of their church family. Amen? So uh, I want to invite you ladies up here, and we're going to pray. She did? Okay. Come stand in for her. Church, I want you to just stand with me and reach your hand out. Where are you going? Haiti. 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 You're gonna you know what? When somebody here's the deal is that according to the scripture, you either gotta go or you gotta send. Right? Go to all the world and preach the gospel. And it says that uh, how can one preach except he be sent? So we're sending a couple of gals out there hooking up with John Smithwick. And they're going to participate in crusades. And, uh, but at the same time, as we release them to go to a foreign land, realize that today we're releasing you just to get outside the door. Just to live a life that's compelling. Amen? Uh, I said, just, just to live a life that is compelling. And Jenny, you know, what, what a great little gal. She's on fire for God. And our sisters is ready to, to, to invest her life. So let's just agree together. And, and I, I want to get some of the, the leadership team to just come on up here and stand around these. You there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm about to go to work. I'm going to leave. Wow. Say hi, church. Hi, church. <laughs> church, say hi. Hi. We're praying for you now, Jenny. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, hang on. Here, here we go. Guys, just gather around. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just release an anointing. and Father, I thank you that I, we already know that you've, you've sent angels ahead. You've prepared the way. You are causing these lives to be multiplied. Yet the life that is in them is going to flow through them and into the lives of thousands of others. Father, we just, we, we, we release them in your hand right now. And we thank you, Lord, that Haiti is going to see revival. Salvation knowledge is going to flow down the streets. And Lord, that you're going to, you're going to bring masses into salvation knowledge. And Lord, when they come home, they're going to be on fire and that fire in them is going to, it's going to spread and it's going to infect our body. And Father, we just thank you today that you're turning our heart. You're giving us a better target. That we're not just living for ourselves, but we're living to reach others. And our life has been empowered by God's Word so that we might be compelling. So we go to the highways and the hedges and the byways, and we're going to compel them to come in. Lord, that your house might be full. Because it's time. It's re- All things are now ready and we just thank you for the anointing on these lives and for the provision and we bless them and we release them today in jesus mighty name amen church give god a victory shout